Ken? I do want to mention, too, because uh, I was talking to Greg just now, and, and we did have a great time at our seminar uh, at the hotel in Stowe. It was a really a great time. I, it, it went by so quickly, but it, it was just a really, really nice time. And uh, I guess it's just a, a mental note for everybody. The event that we have at the hotel is one of our events for the year that the church does. It's an outing. That's about, about the best way I can put it. And if you can come to the event, you don't even have to stay at the hotel. Just come to the event Friday night and Saturday. It's a wonderful time of fellowship as well as a time of learning as well, too. So we encourage your participation in those events where, you know, it might be a hang-up about the hotel type thing. Um, well, you don't need to stay at the hotel. You can just come to the event. The event's free, and you can invite people to come, which is what I think Anne has done for the last couple of years, too. She invited people to come, and it's something that we, we really enjoy doing, and um, it's one of the things that we enjoy doing as a church. Uh, we are an educational church when it comes to God's Word, and we put emphasis on that. So every event that we have like that is going to have that type of setup. So um, we appreciate your coming, and thank you again for all those who did come and for your participation as well, too. Well, I, this is allergy season, and I, I, if you were out yesterday, you might have noticed that. Um, and so I was using double doses of, uh, of uh, Nasacort and Zycam allergy gel and, and, and eye drops and uh, for the most part, it worked, but it was still pretty challenging out there. But I think a lot of the rain today is going to wash some of that stuff out of the atmosphere, and that's going to be very helpful. Uh, but you know right away when it gets sunny outside in the springtime, you're going to get uh, nailed. And, of course, I'm allergic to grass and trees. Hi. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yes. That's a very good idea. Okay. Yeah. No, very good. <clears throat> That's it's either it's either you do something like that or you get a blocker in your nose and and keep working with those. So, um, no, by all means, uh, thanks for sharing that as well, too, for those who struggle with that. Um, I don't struggle with it as much as I used to, but boy, when I used to, it was terrible. Uh, but it's gotten a little bit better now. Our technology has improved uh, with our medicines and stuff like that. Okay, we're going to pick back up with Lesson 11. Thank you for in indulging me for that little stretch. And we're going to move on. And I believe we're on page two of our lesson. Um, we're going to go ahead and pray, and we're going to keep, uh, keep on praying because that's what we should be doing for, as a church. Amen? Amen? Prayer is important, and um, we, we pray that you uh, uh, are feeling good today. And we do want to remember those like uh, Cindy, um, and, and as far as his mom, her mom is concerned, and uh, Brother Calhoun. So let's go ahead and look to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Father, thank you for this time that you've given us to 
be together before you and sit quietly and hear the Spirit speak. We thank you for your presence today. We thank you for how you look after us. And we do want to remember Cindy and the family right now uh, at this time. We pray that you will give them peace and comfort uh, during these next few days and, and beyond that. We thank you, Lord, for how you look after us and care for us. We thank you that we can bring any matter to you and you would never reject us or turn us turn away from us on it. We thank you for how you love us. We thank you for how you show grace and mercy to us. We pray, Lord, that the words spoken are not my words, but the words of the Spirit in all discussion today. And we give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. On page two. We had kind of, I'm going to go back to the top of the page just to get back into a flow with the lesson. Um, this is the lesson 11. The lesson 11 is about hide and seek. And one of the things that we need to look at here are how when Adam and Eve realized they were naked, it's because they had the full scope of sin and that stain of sin made aware to them. And before that, they were rightfully naive about it because they were not exposed to it. But because they made the decision, a fateful decision, to transgress against God, then they indeed realized they were naked and needed to cover themselves. And that's because of the aspect of being ashamed. We described the difference between condemnation and conviction. And who wants to, just to get back into the flow here, who wants to share the difference between condemnation and conviction? Condemnation says there's no hope. Conviction, there is an opportunity. You do have hope, there is a chance. Was that what you were going to say? Condemnation will destroy you. Conviction will restore you. And notice that the act of conviction means that the Spirit is working within you and tells you that this is something that you need to deal with or repent from. And because of God's character, the moment you do that and recognize it and you give it to Him, He indeed does forgive you which is beyond any reasoning or understanding that we would have. But we have to understand that we're talking about God's character. Because it's not easy for us to forgive somebody sometimes. It's not a natural thing. We have to learn about forgiveness from none other than Jesus Christ. Okay. We mentioned the distinction expressed by Jesus in John chapter 3, verses 15 through 19 that whosoever believeth in him, and I deliberately picked the King James Version, by the way, Whoever, whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever, whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but through the world, that through the world, that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already 
because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that light is come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Okay. And that passage, notice John 3.16 is embedded right within that passage along with verse 17. But you need to understand the context of all of that passage. I think that's what we mentioned before. And look at it in its entirety. Thank the Lord that he does love us enough that he gave his son for us. That we would have eternal life. But the reason why he did that is because he knew that some of us were going to make a decision to acknowledge Christ as Lord and Savior, and some of us were not. And those that don't are already condemned. Already condemned. You can step out of condemnation when you acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So basically, what this reiterates to all of us, and what we've been taught, is all of us have been essentially condemned at birth. You were in condemnation at birth. That's what we need to remember here. Because the world, men love darkness rather than light. Now, you can do a mental picture in your mind of how you used to live before you became the Lord, before you acknowledged Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And I know that my picture, my personal picture, was not a very pretty one at all. It was just kind of moving, going through the motions, doing things, not really quite sure what was going on. I'll just put myself out there for that. I knew that I wasn't living right, but at the same time I also thought that I was a good person. Well, that's just Satan's deception. Until you acknowledge the need for a Savior, you are condemned. Now, one thing as disciples, when we talk to people, please don't use the term, you are condemned at birth, or saying you're condemned right now because you don't know the Lord. I don't think that's going to go over too well. What do you think? I don't think so. I don't think you're going to win friends and influence people by using that kind of rhetoric. Because you won't. Even if it's true, we have to still use language that's going to make Jesus Christ the attractive alternative to where they were, where they are in their life. He has to be the attractive alternative. He is not supposed to be a deterrent. Understand something. Satan does a good enough job already on his own deterring people from acknowledging who Jesus Christ is. Amen? He does a good enough job. We don't need to be an additional deterrent to that. Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. 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 He said that automatically just to the entire crowd. Okay. He gave the friends some, maybe he had a chance. Maybe he did. Okay. But he did it. I mean, yeah. Out there. But I know you're saying when you're doing a one on one. I think when you're doing a one on one, yes, because that's a that's a lot different than a group. Yeah, not even telling people they're sinners. You've got to be careful. Yeah. Telling them that. Yeah. 
too much too fast. Had to rope them in. Thank you. It's, thank you. Just like fishing, right? I know. Okay, yes. Sometimes I'd have to be really convicted, like God help me to drop a billboard here to say, tell this person they can sin. Right. It's like be sensitive to him and explain before you interact with anybody. Like True. Like Calhoun in that situation and being the person he was, the spouse, people aren't going to be quick to jump back at him because they realize You're he's going through, but they hurt. So mm-hmm. God may have used that situation to allow maybe that harsher message to go out that, at that point to cover those people. But I wouldn't do that without God really prompting. And you know if you listen to him before you speak. Uh, he's been a witness to all those children, those grandchildren, mm-hmm. and that was his opportunity. He knew his audience. Yeah. See, that's the other thing, too. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I just want to say he went straight forward. Yeah. You know your audience. If you look at Eliza Cowdery, if you look at Jimmy Caldwell, yes. he started, mm-hmm. that's how he started. Okay. He was very direct. When you look at some other big time ministry people, they were very direct. Yep. Was, um, with Billy Graham on Moody. Yep. They were very direct with the gospel. But I think, like Wayne said, you have to be, I don't think God gives everybody to do it that way. That's right. That's, a, that's the point. Not everyone can pull that off. And the other thing we have to understand is that if God has got, a, you know, like uh, his hands on a Jerry Falwell or, or a Moody or, or Billy Graham to speak the truth, because I've heard Billy Graham's old speeches. Billy Graham was fire and brimstone. If you listen to his old stuff, go, go on YouTube and Google Billy Graham's old sermons that he did. I'm telling you right now, he is, I only had an image of him when he had already been, older and had grown and he had slowed down a lot more and his speeches were much more quiet and subdued. Billy Graham was not subdued when he started out. Now, the thing is, is that A, what's important here? Know your audience. If you're talking to a bunch of folks who you know, who know who you are and and speak and and know the truth that you've spoken, then you have the ability to go ahead and and give give it all you got. If the Spirit is leading you to do that. On a one-on-one, obviously, you have to develop a relationship with someone before you can speak in that manner. And the Spirit still, even then, needs to provide you with the proper words to use in that situation. Because using the words condemned automatically, and the Word says it, I got that, but we need to also make sure we're using it in the right context, in in the proper way. You can show, you can have a person read those words. They don't have to come out of your mouth. But that's, that's exactly how you want to handle that. So this is the discipleship 101 part of our class. Knowing how to speak to people. Knowing when the Spirit is giving you guidance to say these things. And understanding that not everybody can pull off what Billy Graham or Jerry Falwell or Moody did. Okay. The Spirit spoke through those individuals and gave, they were appointed to give those messages on a regular basis. And what would happen normally in a crowd? Just the same thing that happened with Jesus in a crowd. Half of the people might have believed, half of the people might have rejected it. Jesus knew that when he said that. He already knows that. Why? Because he knows the hearts of every person that he of course, created. 
So he already knows the hearts of those individuals. So he knows that some will believe and some will choose not to believe. Notice I said choose not to believe. They'll see the evidence of his work. They'll see the evidence of what he's done, but still reject him out of hand. The Pharisees, when he, when he healed the man's hand on the Sabbath, they saw the healing just like everybody else did. But what do they want to run off and do? Find a way to catch him and kill him. People make the choice not to believe. Jesus is making it very clear in this passage. People who are condemned already, they are accepting their condemnation. Because of the world that we're in. And because of where their hearts are. So we need to also just keep that in mind. Funerals are a great time to... Talk about the gospel. Funerals are a time to do that. Funerals are a time to speak about that because we've got someone who just died. And usually what happens during that is that this person's with the Lord right now. And somebody who's in the audience may be like, what does that really mean? Well, now you've got to put two and two together, don't you? It means you need to acknowledge the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And so that conversation may take place with the sermon of a pastor or associate pastor, whoever is there, explaining about that life with Jesus. And if this gets my brother turned around from being an agnostic to actually acknowledging who the Lord Jesus Christ really is, then praise the Lord. But it happened at a funeral where he had heard a message from a pastor who was visiting, who had given the eulogy, and it maybe it started him thinking about his life a little bit now. I don't know where that is right now. I have to kind of follow up with him and see where things are. But he actually started treating my dad well again. He started actually being nice to him rather than being conniving and underhanded in the whole thing. Um, and just wanted to make sure that he was developing a relationship with him too. It's amazing what the Lord can do, Amen. We know what the Lord can do amazing and wonderful things. And you know, it's tough in families too, because you, are, you know as well as I do, family members are the toughest people to witness to. Amen? Y'all just kind of barked out loud when I said that. <laughs> because it's true. It's really hard. That's why Jesus said, you know, a prophet is no, you know, not, even, not even welcome in his own hometown. People get to know who you are. Well, that's that carpenter's son. We ain't got to listen to him. <laughs> okay. Moving on. Yes, go ahead. Yes. 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 Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. We, we, are, we should be conditioned to understand that not everyone's going to accept what you have to say or, or how you live. We already know that. 
But that doesn't mean you don't keep doing it because some people will. Okay. Both Paul and Peter recall the point of Isaiah 28:16. Everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame. Um, let's take a look also at Romans 10:11. I think it says the same thing. Romans 10:11. Right. It's referring back to that point in Isaiah. Romans 10:11 says, "For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame." Now that's something that's very important to understand. Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. The shame obviously comes to the fact that sin is involved. But if you believe in him, he handles, takes care of that sin in your life, which causes the shame. Remember what Adam and Eve experienced and what they did. Flip over to 1 Peter 2 as well. Look how many times this word shame is coming up. First Peter two six. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. All right. How do you feel when you know you've sinned? Terrible. What'd you say? Horrible? Horrible. Terrible. And why do you feel horrible? You knew better, but who's, who's your teacher? The Holy Spirit. Understand something. Before you had the Spirit dwell within you, who was your conscience? Yourself. So you have justification. Well, well it's, it was you. Well, well, you. well, I know your point. But because you, you basically can convince yourself to do what's wrong and say it's right. Your own conscience will do that. But the Spirit is the one who convicts you to recognize that what you did was wrong and with that comes what shame if you feel horrible you're ashamed of yourself that's where we get that that's where that comes from that's what adam and eve experienced the moment they transgressed against god everything was wonderful before that and then all of a sudden, they feel like, I'm naked. I've got to get something to cover me up. If the Holy Spirit tells you you're naked, it's not so he can shame you. It's so he can cover you. You get that? It's not to shame you. It's so he can cover you. We need his covering all the time. We need his covering because of the world we live in. Amen? We need his covering because of the world we live in. He just got through saying it in John chapter 3 about the world loves darkness. We're in the world. We're surrounded by people who would rather live in darkness and don't want exposure to the light. 
The old proverbial roaches in the dark, running around on the floor somewhere. You turn the light on, they scatter and they hide. That's what they do. It's amazing how you see examples in life of the very thing that we're talking about being demonstrated even by little critters. As soon as that light comes on, they know to get in a place where they can't be seen. Well, that's us too. We need cover. We need his covering. Go to 2 Timothy 1.12. Timothy 1.12. Well, let's read. Let's start with... I have to go back. Let's start with verse 8 and read down. Because it's a long sentence. <laughs> if you look at, if you look, I try to read, if, you, if you're reading scripture, it's usually a good idea to start in the passage area where there's a new sentence. Rather than reading in the middle of a sentence. Because that gives you a better flow of what's actually being spoken. Does that make sense? You know, I'm no expert. I just do what comes naturally because I do love English. You know, that's something that I, I love English. I love words and making sure that words are understandable. But for the context of reading scripture, start with a sentence beginning. It's a new thought. That's what they teach you in school, right? Therefore, do not be starting in verse eight. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. Now you know what's being discussed. Nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light, through the gospel, notice the word light, for which I was appointed as a preacher, an apostle, and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. That's verse 12. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Well, that's the end of the sentence. So why wasn't Paul ashamed according to 2 Timothy 1.12? Say it again real Because of who he believes in. Doesn't that matter? Of course it does. He recognizes that Jesus Christ is the all in all. The Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He recognizes, if you go back in that passage and look at how he did not save us according to his, our works. He did it because of grace, because our works really were not significant and could not match his holiness. He's not ashamed because Jesus Christ is the beginning and the end, the all in all, the wheel within a wheel, whatever you want to say to describe who he is. That's why I love that last song we did in the seminar. 
because it was a wonderful song about the singing about who Jesus really is to the people who were singing it. And to get you to understand that, he is everything. He is everything. No reason to be ashamed when you are worshiping a, a Lord Jesus Christ who is all in all and everything and beyond your understanding. He removed our shame. Look again what it says in verse 8. Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Don't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For what it represents and what it stands for. You had your hand up. Verse 7. I need to go back to verse 7. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Yeah. Therefore, correct. And you're right. You know, if you want the total context of it, read the whole, <laughs> whole chapter. The whole chapter. But you understand the point here. The point is, is that you do this because God loves you and he gives you the spirit, not of fear, but of power. I got a bracelet on that says faith over fear. Faith over fear. Because fear is what keeps you from speaking out about Jesus Christ. Faith helps you to speak about Christ. And sometimes you just have to put yourself out there. Now the Spirit has to be the one working with you to do that, but He's the one who's going to enable you with the power and the strength to do it. You had your hand up. Yeah, I was going to go back to uh, Genesis. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we're not going back to it. <laughs> Yes. Well, if you look at what the definition of a Gentile is, mm-hmm. which if you go back to the Old Testament and New Testament, but the definition of what a Gentile is is a person who is not Jewish. Correct. That's right. Basically, yes. Gentile is everybody else outside of the Jewish origin, faith. Okay. That's everybody else. Yeah. So God for... Everybody. Yeah. An opportunity for everybody who is not a Jew. That's right. That's a radical teaching you back in that day. That's right. It's a radical teaching. That's right. Okay. So Paul wasn't ashamed, according to verse 12, because he believes and he is convinced that Jesus Christ has his covering, has him taken care of. And one thing we've got to understand, too, is that this covering is not just here on earth. This covering, this assurance that we have, goes beyond the grave. Because we believe in him, we have our souls sealed and protected for eternity with him. So it transcends beyond the physical here. It's also the spiritual. We need to keep that in mind as well, too. 
he's convinced. Jesus Christ can be very convincing for those who are truly looking to him and seeking after him. And notice that he doesn't put himself upon you. He just waits for you to figure it out. He just waits for you to come to him. Paul put full trust in Christ and was convinced God could guard what had been entrusted to him. A direct link connects a lack of shame and abundance of trust in God. Really think about this. Ask God's spirit to teach you this truth in your deep place. If the devil tells you you're naked, it's so he can shame and condemn you. Let God cover you with his forgiveness and restore you to his companionship. Very powerful words spoken by Ms. Rothschild. She's absolutely correct. You know that you're in a constant fight between good and evil. And Satan wants to destroy you. Destroy your mind. Destroy your way of thinking. Destroy your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants to do that to you. That is a common effort and goal that he puts forth. He wants to destroy you. If you recognize that, you need to be running under God's cover. Especially when you mess up. Especially when you mess up. Asking for forgiveness, asking for his peace, asking for his covering. We are vulnerable when we are in sin. We are highly vulnerable when we're in sin. When we don't repent and we get hardened to sin, Satan's got you. Now understand something. It doesn't mean he can take your salvation away, but he can ruin your testimony. He can ruin your life. It's still up to you to make the right choices, isn't it? It's still up to you to listen to the Spirit when he speaks to you, when he tells you something. It's still up to you to do that. Those who are lost don't have that ability. Those who are lost don't have that ability. Those who are lost think they're fine. That's why I I asked you to think about who you were before you became a believer and where you were and how you were thinking. You don't forget that stuff. It's still there. You know where you were and you know where you are now and you know that really right now you should be on your knees because God selected you and chose you to make a decision for him. And I wrote a note here. I cannot express enough how taking this approach, as noted above, is such a wonderful, freeing experience. It's a freeing experience. When you're ashamed and all you're doing is running from, running from Satan, and he says Satan's supposed to flee when you run to the Lord Jesus Christ, you come under his peace, his forgiveness, his comfort, and he teaches you. It's a freeing experience. It's really a sad thing. Did you have your... Go ahead, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Yep. But it wasn't until I learned that, like it says in Romans, it says um, that when we live by the Spirit, we have life and faith. That's right. And so I really understood that principle mm -hmm. that, you know, even though I feel that way, it's nailed to the cross. Yep. I have life and I just have to trust that it's there. That's right. And it took me a long time to figure out that difference because I was mm -hmm. getting myself in. There are folks twice your age that are still learning this. And still haven't learned it. Right. And still are being taught. You have to understand the Holy Spirit is the one who's teaching us. We live in the domain of darkness. So we are surrounded by things that will keep us focused on darkness rather than light. We have to seek the light. We have to allow the Spirit to teach us. We have to say, this is... Good for me. I'm in a good place. We have to have that. What does the psalm say? The righteous run into the Lord's strong tower and they're safe. Now what does that say? The most important thing for some of us is to get home, right? To be in a safe place because we deem home as being a safe location. Well, that's the same principle. A safe place. A safe place in Jesus Christ. He teaches us. And he keeps teaching us. We don't stop learning this stuff. We don't stop learning this. Pastor Gus. He's still learning. Amen. Amen. Now. He's a pastor. Who already has a tremendous amount of knowledge. Great historian by the way. And a cowboy. But he is still learning. God is still teaching him. We have to emphasize this to all of us, too. We still all have room to learn. We have room for growth. And I'll say it again. I've said it before. The only time you stop learning is when you die. Then you come into full knowledge. And prayerfully, it's that full knowledge of being with the Lord and Savior. Okay. Second point. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. You, now, why are you going to go back to Genesis? Yes. 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 In disobedience. He was told not to eat of that tree. That's so correct. So by eating the tree, he became aware of what shame was as a result of newfound knowledge. That's correct. He was, like I said before, they were naive of that. 
Not even a good way. Because they didn't need to know. But, without rehashing that too much, God knew, guess what God already knew? They were going to disobey. Here's the thing. Yeah. There is a responsibility that goes along with knowledge. Yeah. Man didn't become responsible until he had newfound knowledge. Okay. Okay. Now, from this point forward, you have an opportunity to choose one way or one path or another path. True. That's right. And it's all born into us. Very true. Okay. The second point, which we're just going to get into now because uh, the first bell already rang, is suffering. Suffering. Go to Psalm 6, and we're going to get started with this, and we'll pick up probably in this, with the premise of this next, next week. Now, first of all, let's acknowledge who the writer is of this psalm. Who is the writer of this psalm? David. David. A man... Where God says he's after his own heart. And yet David messed up big time. Amen? And look at it says in verse 1. I'm going to read part of verse 1 too because that's important too. It says, O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger nor discipline me in your wrath. So that sets the stage for what we're getting into here. David knows he messed up. And David knows he's in trouble. And that's some of us too, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, he's, the one thing about reading Psalms, sometimes the Psalms and the Proverbs, it tells the truth about who we are. It really does. Look what it says in verse 2. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. The adjectives, the descriptives basically can speak about who we are at any given point when we are not right, when something is wrong. Verse 3, My soul also is greatly troubled, but you, O Lord, how long? Turn, O Lord, deliver my life, save me for the sake of your steadfast love. Okay. In Psalm 6, Verses 2 through 4, the psalmist is miserable. He mentions several problems. What are they? Now, we're going to stop here because we're going to pick up with this next week. So make a note of these in your notes, what the problems are, and we'll pick up with this next week. Because I don't want to go any further and get into this knowing that we're already done for the day. But I hope that what this study is doing, as well as the other studies we've had for the past several weeks, really get you thinking about not just how you disciple other people, but about your life itself. And building upon your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That whole exercise we went through during the seminar about learning the names of God to develop and understand, well, what name of God is most applicable to me? 
It may be some of them. It may be one of them. But God knows who you are and knows who you are and best knows how to relate to you even when you don't know. He knows who you are. Father, thank you for this time you've given us to look over your word, receive your instruction, receive your guidance. We just thank you and praise you, Lord, for your presence. We pray now for the upcoming message and the speaker, that the word is spoken, and that there is greater understanding and teaching that comes from it. And we give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. We'll see you next time.